tonight, before, before we start, um, I want to read something because Aiden asked me to. Aiden, his, his name's Aiden, yep, I'm going to Aiden. He, he wrote a, a note, but it was really hard to read, so he actually, I had him read it to me, and I take it, and, and so this is what he said, and I just thought, I, I, he wanted me to share it to you, he said, your, your faith reinforced thanks for praying for me and with me during the time I was gone. Uh, he was in the hospital for a while. You, you, the people of the church, and the people that are blessing from heaven on this side. Ready to start. Uh, so I guess that what I'm trying to say is thank you for everything, every prayer, every single wave, every single pausing, every single gesture and greeting. Thank you all so very much. I just don't know how to say it in words that I don't have to say or pray to pay you respect, but I do know something that might work instead. Let's stand That's a reminder. Please be encouraged. Thank you. And uh, pray for our teens. We will we'll pray for them tonight. We are going to bring Mike and Lauren and Jennifer to Canada on May 20th. They're going to come for a week and a half. So now this Sunday is Mother's Day. On the 20th, Mike and his wife and their four kids will be here the weekend. We're going to have a Saturday night open house at my house. Saturday night, Sunday, he'll be here, but please come Sunday morning, so he'll be teaching with the teens, and so, and then we'll have a business meeting after that, and they so be encouraged for that, we will pray for that, we're going to send out an email, and if you're on the internet, and you didn't get to see his Q&A time, we're actually recorded on Sunday. Tonight, we're going to look at a familiar passage read the gospel, Mark 5, 1 through 20. So I'm going to start by reading it. I'm going to read the different past sections of this story, and then I'll pause, and let's just talk about, let's make some observations about this passage. You have notes, and your notes um, really divide us up into four characters tonight, four characters that we see in this story. Mark chapter, what is They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. So, okay, let me stop here, just so that we can all engage in this thing. Who's they? Who do you think they are? Jesus and his disciples. Good. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean Spirit, okay? What's another way word for unclean spirit? Demon, yeah. He lived with that, this man, this man in the tombs, he lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. So he'd often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and broke the shackles and chains. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he 
says, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high? God, I adjure you by God, do not torment me. What he was saying to him is that he's talking to Jesus himself. See? He's talking to Jesus himself. The demons talk, the demons are talking to Jesus. And and there's there's a little confusion. Okay, who's talking when and who's going talking where? And he begs them earnestly not to send them out of the country. Talking about the demons that's talking to Jesus. Now a great herd of pigs is feeding there on the hillside. And they say to him, send them out. Send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirit came out and entered the pigs. And the pigs, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the pigs. Okay. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. The people came to see what it, what it was that happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon possessing him. The one who had the legion sitting there clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what they had happened, what had happened to the demon possessing him and to the pigs. And it began to beg Jesus to depart from that region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with the demon begging, begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, and how he has mer- had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the capitalist how much Jesus had done for him. What do they recognize about Jesus? Okay. What did you say about him? Yeah, because he's because the son of he's the son of God. They they recognize his authority. What else? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, there's another thing. Nobody has nobody they try. They can't um, how do they try? Says he's 
there were many of these legions.
I'm going to keep that with this person. That's in the same category. Yeah, I think that probably relates more to the sexual dimension of it. It's a little different, but, huh? Yeah, okay, let me say it, state it. Tell me if this makes sense. And I, I, preachers through the centuries from Spurgeon to Lloyd-Jones to expositors of the word have interpreted the, the, the scriptures to say these are two main reasons. One is it, we read it and we got to go, he is the son of God, credentials. He really is. The second is this, to illustrate the salvation that is coming to pass. So his miracles are, in a sense, an illustration of the salvation he's going to bring, which I think fits with what Scott's saying is that salvation in, included in that is complete mercy for those who just are in a desperate situation. So tonight I want to see, yes, the power of Jesus. Have you been seeing the power of Jesus in Mark so far? especially against the demonic forces. But tonight, I want us to see this healing as a picture of of salvation. A picture of conversion is the term that um, the church has used. I have a little book here. Um, It's called Conversion, um, How God Creates a People. When you think of the word conversion, what do you think? You think of baptism. What else?
he's, he's stopped, he, he's blinded, falls off his horse, he goes to town, and then he's healed, and Jesus comes to him, he repents, he's a changed man, Jesus says, go, and I'm going to show you how much you're going to pay. And his life is changed. The world is turned upside down to a man that hated Jesus hated. He wasn't a God hater in one sense. I mean, he's, he, he feared God in a certain way, but not in a way that God honored God in that way. But then he became Christianized. Um, as Saul, he became what? Paul. So what's that? Yeah, and the first missionary. So you got <laughs> conversion. Um, any of, have any of you experienced a dramatic Anybody that truly converted, it is dramatic. It's amazing. But but there are some where in God's mercy, there is a, a conversion that takes place in a heart that is not as perceptible at that event or moment because they grew up in Christianity. They grew up in church. They, I, would, I would explain my, I believe I was converted when I was young, but I can't tell you when I was converted. I, there came a time when I, I made a few decisions for Christ, I prayed a few prayers, and I wrestled sometimes with it, but I don't know when it was, but I know it happened because I see life in me. And I don't know when that moment was. And so I think that can be a happening within somebody, especially that grew up in the church. Now, we can't assume it, though. Sometimes they, they grow up in the church and never have been converted. Okay, that's in contrast to stories of somebody that has been deeply converted. Anybody here having a, have a testimony of like a dramatic conversion? They were they were changed. And it was a, it was a dramatic change. I mean, it was I, you knew when it happened or around the events when it happened. Anybody? I think there's some in here that have. July 3rd, 
idea of new year. So, so there was a new life. There's new, new, new life that came out. In fact, that, that, that started with us. You know, you, you're describing, you're saying, okay, I'm still a sinner, but I had a new relationship with the Savior. I wasn't at peace with it before, with, you know, with, with there was a new, and a, a mark of a, of a converted person is to have a new relationship with them. They're, they're still sinners, but they, they, the Holy Spirit starts to work in their life. There's a new spiritual life. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. We all, yeah. <laughs> we will, we will never stop having that process of Him doing that work in our lives. Um, I remember um, Dustin teaching when I was a teen this story of conversion. It was very it was the process of the gospel through a, a, I think a gal inviting her to attend the church and came, but before that he was about to commit suicide and, and just how he read the Bible that was given to him and he read it again and he remembered going to bed and he woke up the next day and he converted to believing in Jesus. C.S. Lewis says he got onto it. Now, I'm not sure if this was his, his, his salvation, but it was a transformation of God's doing wrestling with his atheistic thoughts and he gets into the on a bus, goes to the Jew and he said, I want to I got there. He said, when I left I didn't believe in God and I got there I did. <laughs> and and um, Charles Spurgeon talks about how he had been hearing the gospel all his life. He shows up on a snowy he's an eighteen year old, seventeen, eighteen year old boy, shows up at a Methodist church because he couldn't get his church because of snow, the preacher couldn't be there. The, the deacon is rambling on one verse of scripture and doing a poor job in his opinion. And God wakes him up and hears the voice of God and he confesses and gets made saved and he's transformed. And um, there are many stories about this. So tonight I want us to see this story of this conversion. Before we do that, jump into this, and even though we're going to flip this over, I want you to just quickly understand Jesus has just, in the chapter before, Jesus has just um, he just calmed the storm. And now Jesus is going to calm the storm, storm of Satan because he's just touched him. Jesus is going to calm the storm in, in, chapter, in the chapter before and what is the response of the disciples? What's their emotional response after he calmed the storm? You remember? Was it excitement? It was fear. Jesus, Jesus's, Jesus calms the storm in the breast of this man who's possessed by a demon. And what's the response of everybody around? Fear again. Um, the, dis- 
disciples didn't believe. Neither did people in those days. And and we're going to see that. Now let's look at this. Uh, first of all, we got the name. What what do we know about this name? Demon possessed. Um, what by the king? Okay, in Judaism is is that a is that a spiritually acceptable thing to live by the king? Yeah, why? Yeah, they were unclean. Now we're going to learn he's also a gent, probably a Gentile. Why do we think? Why do we? Why is it likely he's a Gentile? Anyone? Any clues? All the pigs. They they have an economy of pig raising. Jews can, are forbidden to raise pigs. And in fact, we find geographically he's on the. Is it on the east side of the Dead Sea, and he is um, in a Gentile region. Um, in fact, that's why probably Jesus was not going to tell him to come with him. He knew where he was sending his off. He was on a Gentile region because it's uh, on his mission. Um, he was claiming by the people in the town that they gave up on him. He was in agony and destruction other than himself. When he saw Jesus, he came to him for help. And there's something about when Jesus came, something happened. Tell me about this. We already talked about who the demon, the tormentor. We have the tormentor, tormented, and now the tormentors. How did they respond to Jesus?
who came from the Bourbon Queen would admit they did. Not for me. Um, yeah.
Why do you not understand what I say? It is, it is because you cannot he- bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He lied to Eve in the garden, and he continues to lie to us today. And so this is, this is a vision that we need, we need to have an understanding of this as we come and we press against you. Jesus has power over the satanic. Jesus has power over everything. But we stop and go, the reality is, when you see the story of this man bound and, and really dead to society, he's unclean, he can be unclean, he's in the tomb. He's bound and then break, breaks out and he's isolated from everything. He is the picture of, of pity, pitiable and despicable in many ways. And he runs to Jesus and Jesus has mercy. This man falls on his knees and Jesus has the solution. Because we, like the man, need a drastic rescue which only Jesus can provide. See that? Jesus has a rescue. We need a rescue. And that's what true conversion is. True conversion is when God comes and He opens the eyes of somebody and He, he frees them. Um, it, it, may, it may not seem like this abrupt call on the road to Damascus, but He does. And, and, we, and this story, we see that Jesus is merciful to those who would be saved and Jesus is power and mercy, obviously, is not acceptable to ourselves. We are not acceptable to ourselves. Um, I want I want you to... I, I read something this week as I was thinking about this passage, and I was thinking about the... the when, when I read this story now, and I think of the second, it's a picture of God's salvation, to think about as a pastor, I'm, I, I'm up here preaching, and a, a church full of Many believers, but is, do you think every Sunday everybody in here has been conceived in sin? I know there's some. And then there's some that I don't know. There's some I know because they even tell me they're not Christians yet. Um, we're going to hear her testimony. I don't think she'll mind me at all telling this. Um, I, I spent time talking to her right after church on Sunday. She's going to get baptized. Callie Kornowski's sis, sister, um, Michelle Griffin, um, Christian Griffin, um, started coming in the, in the fall, early fall. And she started coming on to church, and then she said, can I just talk to you, Pastor Daniel, about the Lord? I said, sure. <laughs> yeah. And he said, we met, I think, one Wednesday night right before church. And I, I talked her through scripture, and I shared the gospel with her. And I said, this about Jesus, who Jesus is, and to, to be saved, you, you need, there needs to be an objective agreement of certain truths. And I helped Pastor Kelly through that. And I, and I talked to her, and talked about through the gospel and what her faith is. She goes, I believe that you are God. I believe that all, she basically said, I believe all these things. She said, she said, I'm not ready to stand in the gap. I'm not ready to stand in the gap. 
meeting with them, he comes to pick up something one Sunday afternoon. And I don't even remember if he was at church that Sunday. He texted me late in the day and he just said, oh, I had this text message. Today, I'm praying. I'm praying. I know he's with me. It's like, it's like, it's like, and, and, and he, and he's like, there's a new desire. There's a new desire. It's the same as the new desire to follow Jesus. He's going to testify to that by being baptized and going to church to be part of the body of Christ. So, and be disciples. So, um, we, we should pray for that. Pray that could be someone here that still needs that. And there could be someone in this room, our children and our kids. We, that This book is in a series called Nine Marks, which is building healthy churches. Mark Dever wrote a book called Nine Marks of a Healthy Church in 1994. And the reason he wrote it when he was going to come to his church, and he said, there are nine really important things in this church that need to be said. And he, he, he gave several things, and one of them was adoption of unbelief. Too often our churches are filled with unbelief. That, that just prayed a prayer and asked Jesus in their heart but never were converted because they were taught this, this, there was this teaching that went throughout America in the late 1800s that was this, this, this mechanism. If you, if you say these words, you're saved. If you say these phrases, you, you got heaven. And that's not in the Bible at all. And they, they abandoned this true doctrine of true conversion, of transformation that and it, the doctrine of conversion isn't you turn over another leaf and reform yourself and then you get to go to heaven no it's a work of god just like this is a work of god in this very moment Would you believe him? If someone said, I was on a highway and a 70 mile per hour semi ran you over, would you believe him? I don't think I would. Why? But why wouldn't you believe him, huh? Okay, they should be dead. They, okay, let's just say they, they would have been a lot more changed by the experience than they look right now. Okay. If you have been converted by the Holy Spirit, there is there is fruit. It doesn't, it's going to look different in different people. It's going to come because we, we are not the Holy Spirit, but this whole idea from, in, in the scriptures about fruit is that it is visible. That's the whole point. Some people say, well, there's fruit, but it's just not visible. Then it's not fruit. 
fruit is actually that you shall be known by their fruit. Now, that doesn't... And, and, and what happens is when the gospel... Now, the, when a person feels like, hey, do I have to? If they really are converted, the warnings of Scripture are like this. We're actually warning them to run the fight and not to run the race. Um, and, and, and to think that they really have to do that. They don't have to do anything. Thank you. I, I feel like this doctrine of conversion is so important. Um, because the testimony of the church in this world is so bad and so awful. But it's because the church isn't really the body of Christ. It's tainted with so many people with false conversions. And therefore, they're really not and, and so we need to pray for each other. We need to, I think we as a church need to pray and we pray, God, would you, would you work in my life and more? And would, would you work in my children? And would you work in, in the youth group? And would you work in the Sunday morning services? Um, Karen, this story is helpful. Karen Hutchison, Dave, do you remember her saying about this? They need to see them as a non-sinner. They need to 
because they knew it with their heart. But how do you know do you know it with your heart? The heart stuff is they knew that they were they they know that Jesus is the God of the unknown. They know that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And they know that Jesus rose from the dead and they, they know that he is a savior and they want to follow him now in a new way. Um, that's conversion in the coin drop. Keller said revival is when the coin drops in like a host church or in a whole community. When the coins are dropping everywhere and the spirit of God is just in whoever throughout history has done that. That's a little bit off subject, but um, we're going to move to pray. And so we pray, God, would you convert the unconverted? That's going to be one of our, our prayers tonight. So take out your prayer sheet. There's two sheets. There's a missionary sheet. Um, it's empty. And, and, uh, and then the, the, the back side of the notes. Anybody else need a prayer sheet? It's empty. Kinsey needs one. connected to North Bend probably, so because Dean went to North Bend in the early days, when Ken went. I think Dean went since Ken went. Dean's older than Ken, but Dean was an older student. Yeah, Dean, Ken would have known Dean. And so they probably said, hey, I want to come, because Jack would come up to North Bend in the 80s. Okay, so Get the sheet. So turn turn to the other side, the back side of your of your where the, you have the notes for the message tonight on the other side. Here's 11, 11 focuses tonight. Um, so I'm going to ask people to pray on these subjects tonight. Before we do that, who has any personal prayer requests? Things we need to take to the 